Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In today's episode, we're looking at an article that came out on Popular Mechanics about a week ago, September 22nd, 2022, actually. The article deals with the phenomenon of USOs, that's unidentified submersible objects as compared to UFOs or unidentified flying objects. They also have a link there to a, a uh, po- podcast interview that Joe Rogan did with uh, David Fravor. That was the Air Force pilot that uh, came out with the 2004 sighting, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Now, the title of this article says, Yes, underwater UFOs are a thing. And there's a bizarre history to them. Gozana says, in October 2019, U.S. Navy Commander David Fravor, who was the subject of a 2017 New York Times article about his 2004 UFO sighting, discussed a spooky new discovery a fellow pilot revealed to him after they were both out of Navy service. There was a chance he had spotted an underwater UFO. According to Fravor, the witness was a former pilot of an MH-53E Sea Dragon, the Navy version of the Marine Corps' CH-53E Sea Stallion, based at Naval Station Roosevelt Roads on the island of Puerto Rico. Twice while recovering spent practice munitions out of the water, the pilot spotted a weird underwater object that we now call an unidentified submerged object. Now, I would just interject here, speaking of Puerto Rico... I mean, for some time there's been um, there's been a theory that that the U.S. Navy has a top secret um, submarine base at Puerto Rico, and I think there's actually been some TV programs done on this, and there does seem to be a lot of secrecy uh, involving this subject. Naturally, you would imagine there would be, and uh, as I recall, uh, because of the topography of the of the the underwater topography, this would be a perfect place to site something like a top-secret submarine base. So that's just food for thought. Maybe the base is there because it's a perfect place to put that kind of a base, uh, offer protection for the country. Maybe also there's a dual purpose where the U.S. Navy can keep uh, an eye on whatever's already active down there. Who knows? It says, In the first incident, the pilot saw a dark mass underwater as he and his team retrieved a flying practice drone. The pilot described the object as a big mass, kind of circular, and he was certain it wasn't a submarine. In the pilot's second sighting, a practice torpedo that the pilot was sent to recover was sucked down into the depths of the ocean in the presence of a similar underwater object. The torpedo was never seen again. Now, this is something we've uh, covered on the podcast before, these uh, torpedoes are they're basically a practice torpedo without the detonation, of course, on them. They send them out uh, to do target practice with, and then I suppose because they're so expensive, uh, they send the helicopters out to recover the torpedoes. And in this case, um, the pilot's talking about how they went to recover the torpedo, and when they got there, there was a uh, USO on site. 
He says elsewhere in the interviews, Fravor reveals that a 79-year-old woman contacted him after his sighting went public. The woman explained that her father, a naval officer, was at one time based at the naval station in San Francisco in the 1950s. When she was a child, her father showed her a telegram that stated unidentified submerged objects had been sighted going in and out of the water at a now-forgotten set of latitude and longitude coordinates. The woman's father told her, we get these all the time, and it's always in the same area. Now, this is another area that has uh, some uh, really uh, unusual topography, I think would just be uh, ideal for submarine travel because of the depth of the ocean right in that area, the, how, how it just you know drops uh, down into a, a pretty a, a pretty deep area, perfect place to hide something like this. The article goes on and says these sightings are similar to Fravor's own sighting, according to the retired Navy pilot. The only reason he had seen the now infamous Tic Tac was because it was hovering above a mysterious larger object that was sighted underwater. Fravor describes the object as cross-shaped and approximately the size of a Boeing 737 jetliner. He was. He has further described the water above it, above it as though it were boiling or frothing, and said the object disappeared after it caught his attention. Well, there's a couple things there. So first off, he sees this huge object underwater, and notice how the the water above the object is boiling or frothing. So it must be releasing some kind of energy, uh, air bubbles, something's going on there where this thing's interacting with the environment. And this is more than just a, a phantom object. This is more than just, you know, seeing a ghost or seeing uh, some sort of uh, three-dimensional thing. This this looks and acts like a mechanical entity, whatever it is. Secondly, it's interesting to me how uh, the UFO that he later uh, videoed with his with his uh, gun camera is interacting with these things. So they're, they're acting as a team. So whether this UFO that's that's flying above it is acting as a, as a lookout, is aiding in some way, I don't know. But it's, it's interesting that these two things are working together. It goes on and says, In 1970, biologist Ivan Sanderson published the book Invisible Residence. Sanderson, a noted student of unusual phenomena, devoted the book to sightings of what were later called unidentified <clears throat> submerged objects, or USOs. USOs are defined as unknown craft that are sighted in the water, sighted rising up out of the water, or diving into the water. Sanderson catalogs scores of reports of USOs. It says on the 19th of April, 1957, Crew members aboard the, the Kitsawaka Maru, a Japanese fishing boat, spotted two metallic silvery objects descending from the sky into the sea. The objects, estimated to be 10 meters, what, 33 feet long, were, were without wings of any kind. As they hit the water, they created a violent turbulence. The exact location was reported as 31 degrees, 15 degrees north, and 143.30 east. Sanderson also reports an incident that reportedly took place off the coast of Puerto Rico in 1963 during an anti-submarine warfare exercise. Okay, I would just point out here, this, these sightings taken place in the 50s and early 60s. Regardless of what we have today, I think we can be in agreement in 1953, 1957, 
we probably didn't have giant submarines or still don't have aircraft that can do this. I mean, we've talked about this before, the amount of energy and the kind of materials that it would take for an, a large object, like in this case, one that's, what, 33, 30 feet uh, in diameter, to at, go at a high speed from uh, airborne environment into the water. You can imagine uh, the kind of energy transfer that occurs there. Nothing known <clears throat> to humankind could ever possibly do this. Now it says the maneuvers were conducted off Puerto Rico and the Atlantic, some 500 miles southeast of continental United States. All reports seem to agree that there were five small naval vessels concerned, but in more than one account, the aircraft carrier WASP is stated to have been the command ship. A sonar, op a sonar, a sonar operator on one of the small vessels, otherwise listed as a destroyer, reported to his bridge that one of the submarines had broken formation and gone off in what appeared to be pursuit of some unknown object. This operator did not, of course, know if this was a plant since the maneuvers they were engaged in were exercises designed to train personnel in detection of enemy craft. However, this operator's report was not all within the limits of any such simulation. Trouble was, the said subsequent object was traveling at over 150 knots. So, I don't know. I mean, what's that? 160, 170 mile an hour? That's, that is an unbelievable, impossible speed underwater for a submarine. According to Sanderson, no less than 13 craft, including anti-submarine warfare patrol craft, tracked the high-speed unknown object. Furthermore, it is said that technicians kept track of this object for four days and that it maneuvered roundabout into depths of 27,000 feet. Now think about that, 27,000 feet. You know, goodness sakes, that's, that's what, up close to, close to five miles deep? This, this, these are impossible depths, impossible speeds, and this thing seems as though it is just observing the U.S. Navy war games going on here, and really doesn't care if it is uh, if they observe it or not. The USS Wops, USS Wops was indeed an anti-submarine warfare carrier in 1963 and served in the Atlantic Fleet until its decommissioning in 1972. Unfortunately, Sanderson doesn't provide any sourcing for the incident, nor is there any information about it posted on the internet. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we've talked about this in the program uh, before, about how uh, bad the internet search function is getting. It seems like you go through, you know, a few dozen pages, and it's just page after page of the same thing. A lot of narrative control going on. Very hard to do deep research anymore. It says the National UFO Recording Center maintains a database of sightings reported to the to the NUFORC, that's new work, both by email and hotline. There are many reports of UFO-type objects seen coming out of or going into the ocean. Off the coast of Half Moon Bay, California, this is another hot spot that we've talked about on the program before, an eyewitness reported that in 2007 she observed three UFOs while aboard the cruise ship Don Princess. After five minutes, three softly glowing objects came into view, 
three uniform, nearly spherical objects evenly spaced in a line parallel to the ship's hull and hovering just above the water surface. They appeared to stay in one place while the ship moved past them. They were hovering but didn't disturb the water below them. Just as they went out of my sight, the left one toward the bow splashed down into the water and disappeared. Now that's interesting that they were hovering above the water, no effect on the water, but then as they went out of her sight, you know, here we go with this observer effect again, the left one toward the bow splashed down into the water. It's almost as if when it wants to interact with the water, it can. It says one report logged in April of 2019 states that an object resembling a small white boat flew up out of the water near Imperial Beach, California at about 500 feet. The object promptly flew south at a very high rate of speed. Whatever USOs are, figments of the imagination, mechanical malfunctions, secret government craft, or even the work of extraterrestrials, there is a long history of sightings. Fravor's anonymous helicopter pilot is just the latest in a long line of mysteries. Now, overall, I think this is really a, a well-written article. It's not super judgmental. I don't see a lot of debunking going on with the article. They just kind of uh, bring out uh, some stories that they relate some they relate some sightings that have been reported, and then they also have a link here to a, to a uh, interview that uh, Joe Rogan did with David Fravor. I think this interview took place a while ago, but it's still still relevant. Uh, I'll try to post a link on the YouTube channel sometime this week if I can. I did get some stuff posted over there uh, in regards to the last podcast we did. So if you get a chance, you can go to the UFO Warning uh, YouTube channel and check that out. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.